0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute segments, and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ways Debate Society podcast.
1: Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco, and Kyle, normally, yeah. we, we just talked, like, in the last minute about, like, all the behind-the-scenes and how, like, you know, we try to put everything together and, like, yep. what I do for, like, the open. No, I don't have any open today, because I yep. am completely almost speechless, well not really quite (laughs) because I always have something to say, dude, it's here.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> we have been keeping this secret from you for so long. Uh, I cannot believe it's actually out there and you're about to experience this. Because here we are at minute 120 of Iron Man 2 for 2010, or John Favreau, and uh, we're doing things a little differently today. It's real, it's not fake, it's not <laughs> some weird uh, AI bot edited thing. No, we, two schlubs with beards, Totally. Got to talk to the one and only Agent Coulson himself, Mr. Clark Gregg. It happened. I have a screenshot that proves that it happened just because I sometimes don't believe it myself. Uh, we'll get into a lot of this, but I know that you don't want to hear us nattering on. Nope. You want to hear from the man himself. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, part one of our interview with Mr. Clark Gregg. I believe you're currently shooting Being the Ricardos, is that right? That's a true fact. Uh-huh. So you work with, obviously, with Aaron Sorkin, you did stuff on Broadway, you've done, you know, Sports Night, you did West Wing, but now he's directing you. How, how has it been having him as a director rather than just trying to get his words right?
2: It's funny, I always, even though the, the amazing directors on all of those things, Dance Scarnito on Broadway and then um, the various great West Wing directors and Sports Night directors, I think Tommy Schlamy was involved with both you always feel Aaron's presence in the room. Like, you know, <laughs> both in the words. And then, you know, they're words that are entitled to a level of loyalty. Not all the words you come upon are. And, um, <laughs> right. But it was really, I just so far, really the main stuff that I have is, is still to be shot. But we did have one or two long rehearsals and a table read. And um, it was really thrilling. I, he, you know, he's a man of the theater and he's been doing this a long time. I mean, I remember the review for a few good men said, Young Playwright, 29 year old playwright, I think, Aaron Sorkin. You know, he was quite the um, Wunderkind. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he still kind of is.
0: We've been guests on a, a movie podcast the day. We've been talking about being the Ricardos because every time another piece of news comes out about another announcement of who is casting, it just gets more and more exciting. Like the fact that J.K. Simmons is going to be Fred just blew our minds. It's a great role
2: and um, he's going to be great. He's already great.
0: Can you say who you play in it or is that still secret? It's my secret. I just... No, no, no. I can say it. I, I'm, I'm Ethel. Oh,
2: uh,
1: no, of
0: man. course.
2: I, I am. A, I believe a fictitious amalgam of CBS creative execs. Okay. Now, by the name of Howard Wenke is his name, and he's a kind of a key player in the Desilu production of
0: "I Love Lucy" every week. Yeah, well, that, that's a very sorkin name. So okay, so let's talk Marvel. Uh, so let's go all the way back to the beginning of the MCU. How did the unnamed agent, uh, who would, we would come to know as Phil, uh, first come into your life?
2: Um, I got a I got a call from uh, my agent at UTA, and uh, he said, uh, "Hey, did you know that they're about to start shooting Iron Man?" And I was like, yeah, yes, I am very aware of this. Uh, they have an amazing cast." And he says, "Well, you know, there's a little part." there's not much there. I think a couple of lines, but you know, I know you like this stuff. And I was like, yeah. And I saw the cast and I thought, Oh my God, this is going to be the first person cut out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy with no name. And uh, luckily uh, I said, you know what? I can't pass this up. And uh, it became a uh, more and more of a thing in both in that movie and going forward. And um, certainly I, I have been Philip J Colson uh, for I think 11 years. Yeah. 12.
0: Yeah, same, because uh, we, now we're talking about Iron Man 2 a lot. Um, it just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. So then it was, Iron Man was then two years before that, so.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm curious if we can extend that time. So I have a question <laughs> in terms of characters, and you got to put something to rest. Are Agent Mike Casper and Agent Phil Coulson the same person? No. Oh, wait, oh. definitively? Definitively. <laughs>
0: Look oh, at that. look at that. You got an exclusive.
1: I, that's amazing. <laughs> well, because, okay, and you know why
2: I'm asking? Because. Right, this is what really throws people. I think it would be the other way around. <laughs> Agent Mike Casper, LMD. Oh, see? Didn't see that coming. Oh, no, so, no, we Ma- West
1: Wing is part of the Marvel Universe. Well, that's. Okay, but Sam Seaborn not- is clearly a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly a scroll. We knew this. <laughs> okay. Rob Love
2: has been playing a scroll. That's why he never ages for 20 years. Exactly. All right, okay, gonna, but He just is this quote. I'm not going to argue with anybody. Anything I do, I play a Muppet. And <laughs> someone was like, that's definitely, that's also, that's Colson in deep cover. So I just go with it. Nice.
0: <laughs> so uh, in between Iron Man 1 and 2, uh, you got a chance, your first directorial debut, your film directorial debut, Choke came out. So what was it about uh, Chuck Palahniuk's novel that, Caught your interest, and had you, and you kept on for so many years before you actually were allowed to really shoot it. Um, I did what? <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. choke! Let me, I did what choke. How many years? Uh, I. That's a, my research says. Five or six years that you tried oh, yeah. to get it made. Yeah,
2: yeah it took a take a bit. Um, I thought Fight Club was visionary and really important form of satire that I hadn't seen much of. That was as kind of punk rock as it was smart as it was uh, fearless. And I felt in a very different way, the same way about choke. And even though it was about a sex addicted colonial theme park worker uh, <laughs> who deliberately chokes in restaurants so that he can form a parasitic relationship with the people who save him. I don't know, I felt like it, was, it felt very personal to me. I had a personal <laughs> connection to it, ways that I probably don't want to think about too much. Um, and I just thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant piece of work and, Chuck turned out to be a really incredible collaborator. And uh, I was lucky to get uh, a great friend and, and a brilliant actor like Sam Rockwell to play the lead and um, a really a tremendous cast. And, uh, you know, we we had a hell of a great time with all
0: that. Yeah. So we've been talking about Sam Rockwell a lot because of uh, his time with oh, yeah? Iron Man 2. Yeah. He's one of our favorite parts of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been a super fun. Yeah. You, know, you shot that before Iron Man 2?
2: Oh, before Iron Man two.
0: Yeah. It came I'm I say, it I'm came say out yes in between. Before
2: Iron Man. I think between the two. Because okay. during Iron Man, I was desperately trying to put the financing together and it would come together and fall apart and come together yeah. and fall apart. And and John Favreau had certainly come that route with swingers and and he was uh they were he was hilariously encouraging and wise about the process and how to survive it. There was that book, The Secret. Mm, yeah. It was out, and I I think they were teasing me, but I took it very seriously. He and his uh, collaborator, Peter Billingsley, um, were like, trust the secret. You've got to visualize the budget you want for this movie and the cast you want. And I I think they were teasing me, but I just did all of it, and it totally worked. So, the secret.
0: Wow. So, uh, did your experiences, like, as a director, change how you approached acting when you came to the set? Like, did you have a, a new perspective when you came back to the set, seeing what... The big job was like
2: absolutely. I mean, there's there's something about directing other actors, the trust exercise of that, um, editing performances, seeing all the takes, watching the different processes of someone like Angelica Houston or Sam or Kelly McDonald, the magnificent Kelly McDonald. where you really get to see the way different people put together an amazing performance, and it's it's kind of a dream job for an actor to direct because you learn so much. About acting that you wouldn't necessarily get to see otherwise.
0: You'd done a bunch of stage directing. What was the biggest difference between directing for the stage and directing for the camera? Is it just the amount of people are asking you your opinion on things?
2: Partly, um, but no. I mean, you're you're so there is a stage picture and there's stuff that's going on, and there is a way where you're steering focus on a stage, but finding a way to tell the story visually, not just in the design uh, and the costumes. and and the locations you choose. But um, even though I had written What Lies Beneath and I'd been around for a lot of that, I I really, uh, I I had this brilliant cinematographer, Tim Orr, and, you know, he had to really do a lot of the work for me, understanding how to communicate what I wanted visually because there was things I was really clear about and there was many that that I wasn't. And then, you know, it would have been one thing if we had the time on a very fast schedule, tight budget like that, to really talk about the options, but really, a lot, you know, after I finished, I, I, I joked with him that I was just going to lie on the refrigerator and figure out. I mean lie on the couch and figure out how I could get to the refrigerator in less shots. <laughs> because We would constantly have to cut half of what we had planned. So that really, that the the cinematic language and fitting that to the very tricky tone of choke uh, was the big the big learning curve for me.
0: So I mean, did that sort of scratch the itch for you? Like, uh, or do you have designs? No, to do no. More I, directing?
2: I, mean, I made another fe- feature called Trust Me. Trust Me. me. Probably, yeah. I don't know. Eight, God, eight years later or something. And yet, I wrote a part there that mm. I, my partner and my friend, the brilliant casting director and producer Mary Vernieu, said, you know, you, you're never going to have a part that's better for you than this, and uh, kind of talked me into playing that part. So that became a whole different level of endurance. Yeah. Um, but no, it's something. I, I directed two episodes of Agents of Shield, and that was an amazing. Uh, experience. There's certainly, there's something, it's a different form of storytelling than the acting, but having an actor's language or a writer's language helps. And uh, certainly one of the reasons that I was interested in directing a couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was because as the world moves more into long form, uh, I've been writing things with the hopes of perhaps uh, making a long form thing.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, so you've got some some, uh, stuff in the hopper that you're hoping to
2: Yes, I don't think you should need up. to figure out where the hopper is so I can get it out. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do I have a couple
0: things
2: I've been working on. During that. all right.
0: That's exciting. Okay. Uh, so on Iron Man 2, you originally showed up at the congressional hearing, uh, but your scene got cut. Do you have any uh, memories of, of shooting with Gwyneth and uh, being in that uh, apparently very crowded sit- set for a, a long time? Um,
2: I knew Gwyneth a little bit socially years earlier, so it was really lovely to see her. And um, and it was a really fun little, well-written scene that was funny. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't blame them for cutting it. I don't think it, it moved much along other than kind of doing a plug for this famous chili in Washington and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and keeping Agent Coulson uh, in the picture. But uh, uh, I re- just remember watching Gary Shanling, yeah. the magnificent Gary Shanling and Sam and Downey all, kind of riffing together in there. It was really a thrill.
0: Uh, so is it true that you were actually on the set of Iron Man 2 filming when you found out that Coulson was going to be coming back in other movies?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I knew that that was my second, and I knew they had plans, but I didn't, you know, you never, I, I still was just surprised that they'd asked me to do another one as this guy. You know, if you start out with no name, you don't. You tend to think you're probably <laughs> a one of them. Um, but... Uh, yes. During one of the shots, I know they changed the line. They said, Oh, now tell him you have to go. Tell, tell Mr. Stark, you have to go. You're, um, you're, well, we have to be in New Mexico. Okay. There was a lot of, you know, shifting of little tweaks of the dialogue in there. And I did it a couple of times before I realized, you know, I feel like Colson knows where he's going. I should know where he's going, <laughs> you know, to imbue that with some credibility. And, and I, and I remember Lou D'Esposito going, what's in New Mexico? And they, and they, uh, because Tony Stark was, I mean, Robert was saying uh, "Land of Enchantment," and I was saying, "You have no idea." Just to be snarky, <laughs> just to be snarky. And then I finally, I was like, like, no, that's good. You should keep saying that. I like that." And I was like, "Well, what is it? What am I? I mean, I know I'm, you know, other than coming up with a snarky riff. What? Why? What's? What am I doing there?" And they said, "Oh, Thor. Thor. Thor is in uh, New Mexico. The hammer." You're gonna. Fi- Did no one tell you this? You're gonna find the hammer, <laughs> and that was one of the many moments. I was like,
1: Well, nothing like on a need to know basis. That really yeah. helps your character. You know, we've we've been talking about this movie. We we are literally pre- breaking it apart minute by minute. And I think one of the things that uh, we're in the post production in some of the lighter episodes. It's amazing to realize how important you are and the pivotal role that character plays in Iron Man Two. I have made the case that Pepper Potts is not a great friend of Tony Stark. She she lets him get drunk at the party. Everything goes bad. You're the one, you are the character, I would even say more than Nick Fury, that actually changes Tony, like gives him the motivation to search for answers and to, to get him on the path of where he needs to be. It's Phil Coulson's character. Can okay, I like where you're going? Yeah, I see, okay. <laughs> Wait, <why>? I was, <laughs> what do you mean? Tell yeah, me yeah, no, that's where we're <laughs> going. Now, okay, now I, have, now I have a really odd question here too. Okay, so we know that when, when Clark Gregg gets into a lip sync battle, things get toxic. Mm. Let's say, I'm going to pitch this. I want to pitch this to Disney+. Plus. They're doing a what-if show. What if in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a lip-sync battle? Agent Phil Coulson is in it. Who does he battle? And what song does he perform? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole other episode of this show. I, yeah. I know, right? But how does he influence, how does he influence um, Tony Stark? Because of the way I think that he interfaces him. One of the things that we picked up on in this movie, in Iron Man 2, is, is that... Tony is really put off Kilter when characters don't give him a lot of work a lot to work with, right? Yeah. So like uh, Natasha Romanoff, right? Like Black Widow, she he doesn't know how to read her. He doesn't know how to read Phil Coulson's character. And and because of that, it really engages him and it draws him into the dialogue. And so when you have those moments, especially the moment after the party and the 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 house, the mansion has been blown up. That whole thing of, look, here's your here's your information. I'm not your coffee boy. Yeah. You gotta to get to work.
0: I'll take it's you a, a
1: Yeah, it's a real man. pivotal moment for the character,
2: right? I and I, I remember I mean I remember Justin Theroux pitching that and kind of coming up with that line and just thinking like, okay. And that had been a thing that that had been talked about a little bit, which was and I don't know if this is was always their plan or that this is what they came up with, but you know, that this kind of pesky bureaucrat who seems to want to meet with Tony Stark in her Iron Man One that that was a hiding in plain sight kind of cover. Yes. Did yeah. you get a hint of at the end of that movie where he goes, "Not my first rodeo." <laughs> I've seen aliens that would make you have died from a heart attack. You no, know, um, which it turns out I had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Captain Marvel. Um, and so that I thought that was a brilliant thing by Justin of adding the bit where you go, okay. If you're gonna act up, I'm gonna to have to peel off one more—not a scroll head right. but one more layer of the mask. Of you think you know who I am, you don't know. We're dealing with things, and I think that kind of pays off when you go. When he goes, I've got to leave. I got to go deal with something in New Mexico. Yeah, and I think it's in the credits of that movie where where he—I found it.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was gonna have that on my list of questions that we're gonna talk about. But yeah, that that scene is one of our favorites too, just because. Roberts just being Tony and charming and quippy and Coulson's given him nothing and it's fantastic.
1: It was, yeah, it was a
0: that. great line he came up with about
1: the Hey, listen, just you you know, you know watch. what once you get your action figure <laughs> I mean, you've made it. You're a pivotal you're a pivotal player. By the way, the answer to those questions that's a are
2: smaller action figure. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually the medium sized one. I
1: know As it's you, the, it's the 6 inch. It's the legends, I mean, you know. <laughs> Okay. Nick's is a little bit i mean sam's is well you know anyway okay so, but i thought you were gonna go with the answer is is that lip sync battle in the mcu you take on nick fury and oh. i think the song is maybe like take on me you know okay. something well, a little uh-huh. bit yeah right, exactly a little uh, yeah anyway
2: i mean i'd like to think that colson would be a little less leggy excited <laughs> the androgynous uh airline steward
1: i just i didn't want to i wasn't gonna i yeah it's it i'll tell you you look those are nice legs no joke (laughs) well done Uh, you
0: don't think colson would do star spangled man
1: you know yeah
2: who knows Uh, there was a whole scene in agents of shield where he's having this kind of tense standoff with edward james almost who's running an alternate version of shield and it's this showdown of ostensible heads of shield and um, they're talking about their potential rec- record collection. And I kept throwing out like, I really prefer, you know, and I would go like for big punk bands and the showrunners would come over. No, that's not
0: Phil so cool. <laughs> like, Well, it's not Bob Seeger, OK? Me no. All right, we're back in the studio. Uh, Sorry, I know I was having a good time listening to him, too, but, uh, you know, you got to keep the people coming back for more. Uh, So uh, that was only part one. Uh, It doesn't end abruptly. We have a a whole other thing where we get into a lot more Specific stuff, and uh, uh, clerk warms up and starts really messing with us. So oh he oh there was
1: messing no there was messing here there there, there, there was a lot of messing with us yes
0: yeah yeah but it, it amps up uh, believe me in part two you're not going to want to miss it uh, so in the meantime while you're waiting uh, you could uh, maybe go on to the social media things and say hey can you believe it that these guys from this little show I watched got to talk to this guy and it was amazing you know do what you can we we had a great time talking to him we loved for more people to listen to it so um, leave a review or post on all your social stuff Let you know, tag us in the thing and, and let people know that uh, we got a chance to talk to the man himself so make sure you're back here for a minute 121 when we have our, our second part of the Clark Gregg interview uh, when we get into some serious stuff and maybe some possible notes about the future of Agent Colson. Well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out enough said bye